This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And if you want to, well, might be a good idea for you to also turn to Psalm 84. Just maybe leave a finger or ink pen or something there. If I read that, it's not on the screen, so you may want that. As I was praying and seeking the Lord this week, this passage of Scripture came up. Uh, That is a familiar passage. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through really 20. I'm only going to read through 17 today. The background here is Paul is teaching the church at Ephesus. He's walking them through um, different aspects of life. Just prior to this passage, he's talking to them about relationships. Uh, You've got conversations about marriage. You've got conversation about children. You've got conversation about uh, what some translations call bond servants. But what we would more think of as an employee-employer relationship now in today's time and culture. We've got this teaching taking place. And then Paul steps into a different uh, realm. He steps into a different mindset, and he starts in this passage. And it's no, um, it's no strange passage to us. We've walked through the book of Ephesians. I love Ephesians, if you hadn't figured that out. Uh, one of my favorite passages is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, Paul's saying, live a life worthy of your calling. And I just love it. We've walked through Ephesians twice in our Wednesday night studies. I've preached on this passage. But I think that maybe there's something today that the Lord wants to show us that is different, uh, that maybe we haven't pulled out before the way that the Lord is kind of showing today. So I'll read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as the shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of the peace or gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then I'll tag on that last uh, part of that sentence. This is praying all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is not unfamiliar at all, and it's not, um, I don't, if you were 
in any kind of Sunday school class or children's church class way back in the day, you learned about putting on the full armor of God. I've seen all kind of illustrations with guys that do uh, football gear, and then I've seen guys that show up in uh, this old ancient uh, military armor, and they're walking through, and they're doing all these illustrations, and the every thought I've ever had in the past has been more about the whole idea of the pieces of armor that are present. Paul's talking about each different individual uh, piece of material, piece of uh, body armor that has to be present uh, to have on the full armor of God. And this week, the Lord just showed me something totally different. It took the focus really completely away from the, the armor specifically and more looked at verse 10 in particular. And kind of looked at the rest of this as almost like a explanation or application for the main point rather than the armor of God being the main point. So if you will, that's kind of the heart and that's where I'm headed. Verse 10 starts out, I've already read it, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We have a two for one command taking place. Paul said, be strong, be strong, have strength. And that's what we read. We start this out, and I can imagine as these people are reading this letters being read, they'd be read out publicly to the church. You think I just read a lot reading those seven or eight verses. Could you imagine us sitting down and reading uh, all six chapters of this, walking through and hearing this letter from Paul? And they're reading it, and then finally he gets to this place. He says, finally, brothers, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And so often, I believe if you're anything like me, we've read over that, we've skipped over that verse of scripture, and we've not stopped to to dissect that enough. But here's the thing, Paul said be strong, but he doesn't say be strong on your own. He doesn't say go and work out. He doesn't say be strong on your own accord. He doesn't say, uh, he, he doesn't give us instructions on how to physically strengthen ourselves. He actually says be strong in the Lord. So in fact, in this command, Paul's saying in order to be strong, you actually need to be weak. In order to be strong and in order to rest in the strength of the might of God and, and in his mighty powers, we actually can be physically and sometimes even spiritually and emotionally weak. He said, you, you put on the full armor of God, but before we get there, he said, be strong in the Lord. I wonder, I guess, why it is so often that for us, we have to put on uh, this whole thought process. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the men. Maybe it's not the ladies. I don't know, but we have to put on this, this place of strength. We have to put on this face, this facade, this this." Um, personality, whatever it is of strength. You, every guy that, that you know, whether they go work out or not, they have some kind of ambition to have some sort of muscular tone to their body. It's just the way we're designed. It's who we are. Whether you ever get that or not, or whether you end up with the gut, it doesn't really matter. There are ambitions to have some kind of, of muscular tone, some kind of strength, right? And so Paul's saying this very thing, he's saying, be strong, but not strong in yourself. Don't be strong through yourself, but instead be strong in the Lord. When I thought about this, I don't know why, you know, my mind does crazy things. I kind of thought about uh, what it's like to be in water, what it's like to be in a swimming pool. I am no stronger when I get in water than I am when I'm out of water, right? But when I get in water, I can do some awesome handstands. I can hang on the side of that that pool, and I can do some crunches that outside of that pool, you ain't never going to catch me doing, right? 
And it's not that I'm any stronger and it's not that I'm any weaker, but when I immerse myself in water and I take on the properties of water because I'm now in the water, my strength appears to be so much more than it ever really is. Outside of the pool, I sure enough can't throw my weight down and hold my weight with my arms, but you put me in the pool and I can hang with the rest of the kids. And it's the same way Paul's saying, be strong in the Lord. It doesn't matter how strong, how weak I am when I get in the water. As long as I'm in the water, my strength can be used. Paul's trying to tell these people, be strong, but not on your own or even through your own strength. But jump in the pool and tap into God's strength and let his strength work for you. Ever heard the phrase, work smarter, not harder? I've heard that my whole life, and I've learned in many different situations and on many occasions. I will take time to figure out the smarter way to do something so that I can work smarter, not harder. And this is no different. Paul's saying, be strong, but not on your own. Be strong in the Lord. You've got to figure out, people of God, how do you work smarter, not harder? How do you accomplish this the way that God's designed us to do this? And that's the basis for this whole idea. And if we fail to grasp uh, this, then none of the rest of this passage makes any sense. The purpose is not to put on the full armor of God. The purpose is to be strong in the Lord. You with me? The purpose is not to put on the full armor of God. The purpose is to be strong and find our strength in the Lord. So then there's the question, why? Why do we have to do this? Well, Paul said, I'm glad that you asked. He said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against uh, rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces in the, uh, of evil in the heavenly places. He said, you've got to have strength from somewhere other than your human ability because you're fighting against an army that is not human. You're fighting against this superhuman, this, this spiritual warfare. You're fighting against something that in your own flesh and in your own strength, uh, you go to the gym and pump whatever you want to pump and, and, and build whatever kind of strength you can build, or maybe it's mental strength. You, you study and you learn and you get all the knowledge you can get, whatever it is, on your own, you cannot fight the battle. You cannot win the war that is supposed to be fought. Instead, we are fighting against stuff that we cannot see. We talked about this earlier in the year, the unseen. It's all about the unseen. We're constantly fighting the unseen. So how is it then that we accomplish this? So we've got the, the whole idea. We've got the charge. Be strong in the Lord. That's the purpose. That's the whole thought process. I believe that Paul's trying to, to get across. How do we do that? Why do we have to do that? Well, we have to do it because we can't do it on our own. And then so he goes on and that's when he breaks down the armor. There's a covering that comes with being immersed in the presence of God. and It provides protection for us to make it through what we could not without it. There's a covering no different than when I jump in the pool and I get wet. There's a covering when I'm immersed in the water that allows me to do things that I could not once do. And that covering of God when we're completely consumed in his presence, that covering of God allows us to accomplish and do more and, and defeat more than we could ever defeat otherwise. I can see a victory 
And I know that he's working all things together. And I know that the, the things that are meant to evil for evil are going to be turned to my good. I know that because I can submerse myself in his presence. I can cover myself with his presence in order to defeat these unseen enemies. He explains why. You and I can't make it on our own. So why do we wear ourselves out trying when God's telling us to be strong in him? You ever find yourself wearing yourself out, war slam out, because you're constantly trying to do it on your own? We're constantly battling our thoughts and our mind, and we're trying to figure out why in the world can't this work out like it's supposed to? Why can't, uh, why can't we get this accomplished? Why, Lord, isn't all this stuff falling into place? And we constantly go and go and go, and we find ourselves running in circles because we're trying to do it on our own. Why would we keep trying to do it on our own when God said, just rest in my strength, rest in my presence? Be strong in the Lord. So Paul gives these two thoughts. For me, there's really two main whole things to this. First of all, depending on what translation you have and what way it kind of reads, the word stand is probably in your Bible there four times between verse 10 and the beginning of verse 14. You see that? In verse 10, put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand. In verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you'll be able to withstand, or the New Living Translation, I think, says resist. Either way, it's taking a stand. Having done all to stand firm. And then verse 14 starts with stand. So I think Paul's saying, first and foremost, you got to show up. Do you know you can't stand if you aren't showing up? You can't withstand anything if you don't show up. You actually have to show up to battle. David actually had to take a step out onto the battlefield when facing Goliath in order to stand and plant his feet on the foundation and declare that he comes in the name of the Lord. You've got to show up. It's so easy to run or, or to, to put ourselves away from whatever the challenge is, whatever the struggle is, whatever it is we're running circles around. We get tired and exhausted. It's so much easier to just sit down and let life play out, right? It's so much easier just to sit down and say, well, whatever will be, will be, and whatever happens will happen. And Paul's saying, you've got to actually show up. You've got to take a stand. You've got to make a difference. You've got to, to plant your feet and stand on the word of God. You've got to stand for who God is and who God has created you to be. You've got to show up. Anytime a word's mentioned like that over and over, it gets circled because that's important. Secondly, Paul explains the armor. So if you will and you're following our purpose, this whole idea, I believe Paul's heart, I've seen it in this totally different way. Paul say it'd be strong in the Lord. Why? Because if you're not strong in the Lord, you're going to be weak in yourself and you're going to fall. So here's how you accomplish that. By putting on the whole armor of God. Now, I think we've got to go back and realize in the same way we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, it's not that you can have kindness without patience or patience without kindness and say that you've got the fruit of the Spirit. 
They walked hand in hand. You don't get to pick and choose love, joy, and peace, and then let patience and kindness go out the window. You with me? We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the one fruit of the Spirit in our life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in the same way, I believe Paul's saying, in order for you to find strength in God, in order for you to find your strength in the Lord and his awesome power, you've got to put on the entire armor of God. You can't pick up one piece without taking the rest of it and think it's going to be okay. You can't just put on the belt of truth. I'm going to talk about these in just a second. You can't put on the belt but leave the shoes Uh, of peace or the readiness of peace at home and everything come together all these walk hand in hand and so he walks through them he says first of all put on the belt of truth he says having having fasted on the belt of truth depending on what translation you read words that a little different i mean i don't know about you but i put on my belt and i fasten my belt the belt holds things in place do you agree Some people walking around need to wear a belt. You agree? (laughs) We put on a belt because it holds things together. It holds my pants up. It holds my outfit together, although my shirt regularly comes out of my my pants. It, It holds things together. And Paul starts this whole thing off with, first of all, you need to have fastened on and be fastened with the belt of truth. It holds all things together. Secondly, he goes to the breastplate of righteousness. If you read the New Living Translation, it says put on the body armor of righteousness. It's what covers the core part of the body. A breastplate is exactly what it is. Modern day, it would be that vest, that Kevlar vest that would stop those, those bullets from penetrating our body. And Paul said that's the righteousness. It's the breastplate. And that breastplate should look like righteousness. It's the covering of what is right and what is just that gives us protection because we've been made right through Jesus. It's the covering and the protection that allows us to represent what is right and what is just because we've been made right through Jesus. Not anything that we've done. If you've been here on Wednesday nights, we've been walking through Psalm 23. We finished that up last week, and we got to this place uh, Verse two or three, uh, you lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus wants you to be right in, in the Father's sight. Our righteousness is not anything that we earn on our own. It's not anything that, that we can get on our own, but rather because we've accepted Christ, we've accepted Jesus, and the blood that we sang about earlier has covered our life. Now we have been made righteous. We've been made just in the sight of the Father. I said it was kind of like an umbrella. If you stand under an umbrella, it doesn't matter. Uh, it does matter what's under the umbrella. Our life has to be a life of submission and humility and seeking this sinless life. But when the Father looks down on us, he doesn't see my imperfections. He doesn't see my flaws. He doesn't see my mistakes. Instead, the Father looks down and he sees the righteousness and the, the, the justness of Jesus covering me because I've been made right through Jesus. You with me? He's put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then he says, put on the shoes of readiness from the gospel of peace. And I thought about this one. This one's always been weird, I think, just because it's worded weird. If you read an old translation, it says, let your, shoes be, or let your feet be shod with readiness, uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's so wordy. And I don't know why this whole thought process, this whole revelation, I read it and read it in all different translations. The whole idea is 
let's let's break it down. You go to the gospel of Pe- the shoes, please, sir. Did I put it there? Hey. Nope. Maybe not. Here's the point. Is it there? Here we go. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So let's break it down. As shoes for your feet, put on what? Readiness. Readiness for what? Anything. Right? Life. Good days, bad days. Battles, celebrations. Regardless, I'm putting on readiness on my feet. Where does the readiness come from? The gospel of peace. So as I wrap my brain around this and try to, to put this in the thought process, and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what in the world is actually taking place here? What it is we're actually putting on, if you'll let me say, shodding my feet with. We are uh, putting on our feet, the shoes we're putting on our feet, is the readiness of peace. And, and I thought, what is... My shoes are wore out. Not as wore out as they could be. But typically by Sunday afternoon, I'm ready for them to come off because I've worn any support or cushion out of these shoes. You know why I've worn the support and cushion out of these shoes? Because I walk in them. And the whole idea that Paul's displaying through this is the gospel of peace if you were here last Wednesday night Matt Chandler says the way that he believes you can sum the gospel up in three words is God with us makes sense to me God with us so if the gospel of peace is God with us and I truly believe that and I can accept that as peace on my life And I could recognize whether I walk through fire, whether I walk across the water, whether I walk through trial, whether I walk through celebration, whether I walk up a mountain or through a valley, whether I have to cross over the sea, whatever it is, wherever it is that my feet are stepping, whatever ground it is that my feet are finding themselves on, I can rest and I'm ready for whatever may come my way because I'm resting in the fact that God is with me. Always. So Paul's saying in order for you to find your strength in God, you've got to rest and walk in the peace that he is with you always. Yet so often we're walking in unknown territory and in unknown uh, places through unknown seasons and we never stop to actually think about the fact that God is with us and I can walk in confidence. It may be shaky. It may not be exactly where I think that I'm headed. I talked, what, last week or week before about watch your step. It might not look like what I think it's going to look like, but as long as I'm taking steps forward and as long as I'm walking in the gospel of peace, I can be ready for wherever the path takes me. You with me? Then he says, take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This is the first thing that has to be carried. The belt of truth is fastened on. The breastplate sits on my body. And the shoes are strapped to my feet. 
This one requires effort. This one requires me to actually pick it up. I don't have a better shield. This is my shield. I have to pick up my shield of faith. If I lay it down, I'm defenseless. Right? If I pick it up, according to Paul, I can distinguish, not just deflect, but distinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. If I start walking on my journey and I lay that down because it's heavy and it don't feel good and I don't really know where I'm headed and I don't really understand where I'm going and I keep walking, I might have truth, I might have righteousness, and I might be walking in peace, but I'm completely wide open to whatever the enemy want to do to me because in case you were wondering, I left my faith back there where it got hard. He said, take up the shield of faith. You actually have to hold on to your faith. You know there's days it'd be a whole lot easier to lay the faith down and walk away. There's a whole lot of, there's days that, that life is just complicated and it's difficult and it makes no sense and it doesn't make any sense where God might be taking you through in certain seasons and what life is bringing on. It'd be a whole lot easier to lay that shield down and just walk on and leave your faith laying there. And sure as we do that, that's when the enemy is going to start shooting arrows and darts our ways. And when we're there and vulnerable, we're no longer strong in the Lord because we laid our faith down. So now we're weak on our own and we cannot stand. We might as well have never showed up. He said, take up the shield of faith. And he says, put on the helmet of salvation. I like this one. The brain is the central computer, if you will, of our neurosystem. It controls it all. My eyelash, my eyelids blinking up and down, never to my knowledge, my heart beating. The breath that I take, everything is controlled that I can raise my right arm and I can put it down. Everything's controlled by the brain. And it's the helmet that protects the head that Paul says needs to be the helmet of salvation. If our salvation is destroyed, the rest of the body is useless. If our salvation is, is tinkered with, for lack of a better word, nothing else works quite right. If we allow faults to come in and penetrate our minds, sometimes you ever been in a season where you didn't feel the presence of the Lord? That just me? You actually had moments where you think, God, I don't even know where you're at. I don't even know the last time I felt you in my life. I don't even know the last time I had a little goosebump, cold chills because I felt your presence. I don't even know the last time I feel like you spoke to me. You ever been there? You know, the only reason you're still sitting here after being there is because even though you didn't feel it and even though even down deep in your heart in that season, it may have been a deep, sorrowful season, even in those moments you've been taught. And from way back when, maybe it was when you were a kid because... If we raise our children in the instruction of the Lord, they're not going to depart from it. So maybe it was then, but there was something in your life 
that was protected because the, the thoughts of the knowledge of knowing who God is, the knowledge of knowing Scripture. It didn't matter what kind of thoughts could come against you. It didn't matter how, how, you could, uh, how you could not feel God in the moment. You knew who God is. You know God's real, whether I feel him or not. And Paul said, put on the helmet of salvation because the loudest voice in your head is typically going to be the one to prevail. And if the voice in my head, if the enemy, the, the thoughts and the, the struggles that the enemy is feeding into my mind, if those, in, those thoughts are thoughts to destroy what God wants to do in my life, then the rest of me doesn't come together anymore. Paul said, protect the thoughts. Protect your salvation. And then lastly, he said, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Josh, will you come help me finish this? Please. I only have two hands. And if I'm following this instruction... And one of them's holding a shield of faith, and the other one's holding the sword. There's not any room for me to pick up anything else. Right? In order for me to pick up something, it's probably not good for me. It means I have to lay either the word or my faith down to free up a hand. When I lay either one of those down, I'm no longer able to operate in the strength of God. He said, pick up the sword of the Spirit. Your Bible says that this word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts to the marrow of the bone. It can divide. It's so easy to pick up other weapons to fight with, isn't it? It's easy to pick up the words that we feel and fight with those rather than fighting with the sword of the Spirit. It's easier to pick up violence and anger than it is to pick up the sword. But in order for us to pick up another weapon means we had to lay this weapon down. Okay, so maybe we don't lay that one down, but we lay our faith down. Friend, the word's useless without your faith. It's like going into battle empty-handed. He said, take up the sword of the Spirit. So you put all these together, because for me this was this whole new thought process. I'm seeing this in a totally different way. It's not about getting all these pieces of body armor right. That's not the goal. The goal is finding our strength in the Lord. Right? So together, righteousness, peace, faith, truth, salvation, and the word make up a covering of God that will take us through every storm of life.
And it's all about getting into God's presence. Psalm 84. If you're there. I've just been stuck on this whole idea. Really this week. We finished up Psalm 23 and it says, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Paul's, or David's biggest desire more than anything else through all of the struggles, through all the, the mess ups, through all the failures, through the royalty of being the greatest king of Israel, through all of that, the desire to build the temple of God through everything, his desire more than anything was to be in the presence of God. And then he writes Psalm 84. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts. My King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart their highways to Zion, as they go through the valley of Baca, which is the valley of weeping, similar to the valley of the shadow of death. Even as they walk through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. I couldn't help but think the place of tears, the place where sorrow is taking place, those that are in the strength of the Lord, those that are dwelling in his presence, those, those weep in the tears now become rivers of joy because I'm no longer in myself, but I'm in God's presence. Then he says in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer, give ear, O God of Jacob, behold our shield, our God, look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and shield, the Lord bestows favor and honor, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I believe what Paul's really trying to teach the church at Ephesus is how to get in the presence of God in that kind of way. How to find our strength in the Lord. How is it that we put ourselves to the side And in order to live in the presence of God, truth must hold us together. We've got to cover ourselves with righteousness, walk in peace, keep our faith, remember our salvation, and keep the word. You know what's amazing, though, about all of these? I never had seen this till really this morning. We can find scripture for every one of these six pieces of armor, if you will that actually define Jesus as these things. 
Jesus is truth. Jesus is righteousness. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is our great high priest. He is the one that, that gives us. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that, that provided ultimate grace for our salvation. And he, in the beginning, and is the word. How do we find strength in God? Remember, that was the purpose. Why? Because we're fighting against things that are unseen by putting on Jesus. By putting on the very nature of who Jesus is. Allowing Jesus to hold our life together. Allowing Jesus to protect our core part of our heart, who we are, allowing Jesus to protect our thoughts and our mind, allowing Jesus to be our shield. I don't have to fight for myself. He's gone, and I'm going to see a victory because he's fighting before me, allowing him to be my, my shield, allowing him to be my sword, and allowing him to be my peace. I don't know about you, but to be strong is not easy. But if I can be strong in the Lord... Give me the ticket and tell me how to do that. Would you stand with me? Whatever life is throwing at us today, the answer is finding our strength not in ourself, but letting the joy of the Lord be our strength by wrapping our lives in truth and righteousness and taking every step of every day in peace, ready for whatever would come our way. Taking the thoughts captive that the enemy would want to, to put in our hearts and our minds. Keeping our faith and fighting the unseen with the Word of God. Father, I love you, Lord. God, I thank you that you allow us to be able to come into your presence. God, I thank you that little old measly me, an imperfect, messed up human being, Father, who has never been perfect, who so often gets it wrong, Father, can be allowed to come into your presence with thanksgiving and singing. God, I can come into your presence, Lord, with my cares and my desires, Father, the needs of my heart. God, just the fact I can show up in your presence is amazing to me. Lord, I thank you for that. God, I thank you that you've given instruction, recognizing that we are weak, Father. We cannot conquer life on our own. We cannot make it through. We, we're fighting battles, God, that we can't even see. Lord, but in you, you make us more than conquerors. Father, we want to find our strength in you today. I believe that the way we do that is through truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, faith, and your word. God, as we've heard this word today, let us put on the whole armor of God. We can't pick up one of these without all of these. God, but you are all of these. Jesus, you represent each one of these pieces of armor for our life, the spiritual armor. Let us cover ourselves in you today. Would you take just a moment and ask the Lord just to 
cover your life, to let you be immersed in his presence. That you'd have a conviction that every day when you wake up, the first thing on your heart and mind would be chasing the presence of God. I don't mean chasing because we have to go and find it. I mean chase pursuing, chasing after God in a way that life just is so much better. Is it easy? No. Is it going to still have battles and trials? Yes. But my strength is no longer in myself, but my strength is in the Lord and by the power of his might, not my own. Jesus, let us be covered with your presence today. Hold our life together. Protect our heart. Protect our mind. Give us the faith to withstand what would come against us, God. Let us even go forward and be offensive with the word of God. Let us have a knowledge of scripture. Let us understand what it is your word tells us, who we are according to your word, God, and what we're facing according to your word so that we could go forward and battle with your word. And let us walk in peace. Every step that we take, we can walk with readiness for whatever would come our way, knowing that you are with us. I thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.